You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every single day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network, and you can check us all out here, a part of the LOH podcast. You can check us all out on Twitter, at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe, Doug Branson, at Doug Branson LOH, and you can find our show handle on most social media platforms. You can find it at Locked on Hornets. You can find our next guest, Rick Bennell, at Rick underscore Bennell. He is a part of the Charlotte Observer, and he joins us every single Tuesday to discuss the Charlotte Hornets, and even this time, a little bit about the All-Star Weekend. Rick, thanks so much as always. How are you? I am much better after about 36 hours of what I would roughly describe as constant nap. I would imagine. exhausted. Yeah, that it was an insane weekend, and you know, getting home very late. Uh, I at least I, I'm sure you got home later than I did. I was getting home at about midnight each night. I, I did go to all three events. I went to the Rising Stars, the Dunk Contest, Saturday night festivities, and I did go out Sunday. And it was that's a long weekend. I saw a lot of NBA writers on Twitter discussing how tired they were. You know, uh, Walker, I completely avoided. Uh, Friday night uh, down in Bojangles just because I couldn't imagine what the traffic hell on Independence Boulevard was going to be like. No, That's I, what I thought was going to be the, the worst of it. Uh, not a covered Bojangles. I did not cover Bojangles, the Celebrity All-Star Game. I just stuck with the Rising Stars Challenge, and I thought that was pretty cool to see some of the younger stars showcase their talents here, but you're right. It was it was a fun weekend overall, Rick, and I, I had a blast covering it for me. You know, it, it might be one of the few that I've ever covered in my life. Certainly here in Charlotte, it could be one uh, of the very few that we've ever had here. It was 28 years ago, the last time it was held. I think there was a lot of, I don't know how much pressure was on the city, but you certainly wanted to get this right. And Rick, I think as we stand here today, kind of looking over the All-Star weekend in 2019, I think Charlotte absolutely did a phenomenal job. I think that I think that by now we would know if there were problems, and clearly there were not. Uh, I don't think traffic was as bad as I thought it would going, was going to be, and I think it's mostly because it was very self-contained to probably those, you know, probably eight square blocks of Uptown closest to the arena. Um, you know, Walker, I think this is going to be really good for the town. I, I don't mean in some, oh, my God, they're going to get a Super Bowl, you know, now. But there is this is a test run for some other things. The city is very motivated to get an NFL draft, and this looks really good on that resume. And you look at just, again, the value of what this could mean for the city going forward. Rick, I did see your tweet about maybe the NFL draft being a good stepping stone to whatever kind of things they have to do in order to get a Super Bowl maybe in the future. But an NFL draft seems like a good compromise. Do you think that is something that now could be possible to be held here in Charlotte? I think if you put it on the escalator scale, that's the next, slightly next cooler thing. And... um you know, to me, it just makes perfect sense, Walker. We've proven that we now have the infrastructure. And what comes to mind when I say infrastructure, by the way, is the light rail in particular. We have the infrastructure to do big, cool things um, in uptown Charlotte. The stuff is there. The The days when, you know, um, you couldn't buy a Snickers bar after 8 o'clock at night are long over. <laughs> 
Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Now, Rick, the next thing that we have to focus our attention to here with the Charlotte Hornets is a playoff push. You know, We'll get to Kimball Walker and whether he'll stay after, uh, after the season is over. But right now, it's all about making a playoff push. And the Orlando Magic have come very close into taking their spot right now, certainly with a big win that they had against them before the All-Star break occurred. And so, Rick, just looking over at the Charlotte Hornets and what you'll see the second half, you know, how important is it and what kind of games are you looking at for them to have to take advantage of in order to get in the postseason? Well, Walker, I totally understand why you call post-All-Star the second half. We all do. That's right, right. But that's actually technically, you know, they've only got about a third of their games left. We're starting to get down to the final segment of an NASCAR race. Right. And in my mind... We are getting to a point where who they beat is almost as important as how many games they win. Um, They have a very good record, despite what happened last Friday night, collectively against the Pistons, the Heat, and the Magic. That comes in real handy because, you know, you and I started talking about this in August, how the difference between the say the seventh best team and the 11th best team in the East is going to be negligible. So, you know, would you not agree with me that it's inevitable that tiebreakers may come into play? And if they do, the fact that the Hornets, at least so far, have beaten the right teams is important. What I'm getting at is they have two games coming up against Brooklyn. They have games coming up against Washington. They have a game at Miami that I think in the long run could be pretty important. I'm not saying that they should, you know, blow off the opportunity to beat the Raptors or, you know, the Sixers or the Celtics, but those games against their peers, they count for twice now. I would absolutely agree with you. It's why you were looking at that Orlando Magic game heading into the All-Star break as somewhat of a big one. And Orlando, they pulled in with the same amount of wins, at least, as the Charlotte Hornets once they got that one at home against the Charlotte Hornets. And now, Rick, after that game, watching JB in the post-game press conference, I've seen him frustrated before. I felt like that was the most angry that I've seen him in his time here with Charlotte. Did you see it the same way I did, and was he right to be that angry at his team after the performance they put up right before the All-Star break? Uh, I would have been madder if I were him. (laughs) Um, That was an embarrassing situation uh, against a team. You you knew that the losing streak was going to inevitably end, and I literally predicted on Twitter two days before, this is the night. There's a difference between that and not showing up. That was awful. And It'll be interesting in my mind, you know, what they're going to reconvene briefly on, on Wednesday evening and then have a hard practice on Thursday, I suspect. Um, it'll be interesting to see the half-life of J- James Borrego's frustration after he had a break. Um, you, I don't think you want to turn this into a cause, but, boy, that, built, that video session, when they get back, I hope it's brutal because it deserves to be. Uh, those guys should get off their planes from their various Mexican and Caribbean uh, breaks. And holidays over, guys. Time to get your stuff together. Rick, in your experience covering the league and just covering the Charlotte Hornets in general, what has been your experience with the players' legs and how much they are rejuvenated after an all-star break? Is it significant? Well, it you know, first of all, it's like anything else. Um, 
you know, every all 30 teams got the same you know degree of break. But what I would say, Walker, is at least anecdotally, I think the all-star break is of more value to the young players in general and the rookies in particular. Um, no matter how much they are warned that this is different, their bodies have been probably screaming at them for the last three weeks. Isn't the season over yet? What is going on? Um, I hope we'll see a little pep from Miles Bridges. I think we've seen it reflected in his play of late that he's not used to this, you know, marathon you know, of a season. And uh, Miles is pretty important here because he covers multiple different spots off the bench. Uh, so I hope that that's true, and I certainly hope that, you know, the sort of flip-flop back and forth we see between really intriguing Miles, uh, really intriguing Malik Monk, and six minutes, you know, he didn't give him a reason to play anymore, Monk starts uh, leveling out a little bit. And, and again, we, we talked to Bobby Marks just last week, just in preparation for All-Star Weekend, and he reiterated how important it is for those two guys to step up and for the Charlotte Hornets to hit on both Malik Monk and Miles Bridges for them to pan out as draft prospects. And Rick, just I, I've asked you this maybe a couple of times, more specifically with Malik, because he's been so interesting with the inconsistencies that he's shown, but how much have you seen Miles Bridges develop in his rookie season, and is there any one area you think he's developed the most? in um i will tell you the biggest difference between uh between september and now is his understanding of what's going on defensively he's still got a ton of work to do in that area and he would be the first person to say so but there's a recognition going on right now he really looked like a guy who was staring at the math test Okay, got to get through this. I understand the material, but this doesn't come real naturally to recognizing things quickly enough to react to them in real time. That is important because, you know, Walker, I think that, um, I think that Miles Bridges has by far the highest upside among these young guys. And it's because he does a lot of different things well. And the, the only thing that keeps him from, you know, being a big factor on this team right now is the degree to which J.B. can or cannot trust him on a given night defensively. All right, that was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us once again on a Tuesday. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much for taking the time with us as always, and go get some more napping in. Thanks, man. Have a good night. All right. Thanks again to Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. We appreciate him joining us every single Tuesday, and we appreciate you guys listening to us every single day. We're the only daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, and if you want to join our Patreon page, you enjoy the podcast, you enjoy the people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon page for as little as just $1 a month. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash LOH, and you'll be all signed up. We'll be back after the break. Doug Branson, Nada Edwards, join me in just a moment. This is Locked on Hornets. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. I feel like we've all hit NBA depression now because we have just a few days before we hit the post-All-Star break schedule, and we're just coming off of the All-Star break to where we've had enough to digest. We're not off the high of All-Star weekend anymore. This is the purgatory that you're in, just in this straight despair. And especially if you're a Charlotte Hornet fan, some news coming out, basically not news, but some stats coming out. If you look at Tankathon, it has all of the remaining schedule and the strength of the schedules listed. The Charlotte Hornets come in having the second toughest schedule left post All-Star break. Oh, no. And this is a team where you felt decent about their playoff chance. Chances of probably heading into the Orlando Magic game, maybe a little bit before that you started to question them a little bit more. But I feel like after that Spurs game, when they won that game on the road, it seemed like they had played somewhat of a different brand of basketball. They weren't fantastic. We're not going to get it twisted. But this was a team that certainly was playing better. And then they go into Orlando. They had a couple of losses here and there still. They go to Orlando, get destroyed. They just want to get to the all-star break and not care anymore. All of a sudden, Orlando gets the same amount of wins with that victory at home against the Hornets. And now the Hornets, post-all-star break, like we've been saying all season long, they have the second toughest schedule post-all-star break. Oklahoma City first, Charlotte second, and does not bode well for their playoff chance. No, it doesn't. And you're going to hear the cries of maybe we should tank this season. It doesn't matter what happens with Kemba. At least we'll have somebody. We'll have a superstar. We'll have a guy like, let me, let me go look, Google this right quick. Oh, Cam Reddish. Maybe we can get him or maybe we can get Jackson Hayes. Maybe we can get a guy that that'll develop in three or four years and then he'll leave in free agency. <laughs> maybe we can do that. Walker. We are at peak cynical Hornets fan right now. And there's, like, I understand missing the playoffs isn't the worst thing in the world because you get a higher draft pick, but I'm with you. I'd, I'd rather make the playoffs. I want to see them get in the series, and I understand that they're not going to win that series, but I would rather get to the playoffs. And one moment, or one thing that I think it was Zach Lowe mentioned on his podcast maybe a couple of episodes ago, he discussed the benefits financially of making just one series it's yeah. beneficial even just if it's just a couple of games that you play in the yeah, first round it's like tens of millions of dollars isn't it, it? it it's a real thing it is not just one of these things where there's so much money it's not all that financially advantageous no it, it's a big advantage if you get to make a postseason berth even if you are out in the first round so it would bode well for them not that i care as a fan but i do want to see them in the postseason and one last postscript because i've seen this floated out there a couple of times People want to point to Atlanta as, oh, they tank, they'll be fine. Yeah, Atlanta's a top 10 media market and has higher attendance stats than the Hornets do. Well, and the Atlanta Hawks, they do have. Uh, that's the one team, I think, if you were to point to tanking, if you were a big fan of tanking and you were to say, this is going to be the next team that is successful because of the way that they've tanked, Atlanta's probably the team that you're looking at. Philadelphia is the one that they have in their pocket if you want to consider that a win without a championship yet, and that's ultimately what you're trying to do. You're yeah. trying to get out, right? And so if you want to put Philadelphia in there, then fine. That might be one of the success points that you have by virtue of tanking. Atlanta is the next one I think that you would put up there. Even Phil even uh, Phoenix, I should say. Even Phoenix isn't there yet. I love DeAndre Ayton. That guy is having the most undersung rookie year ever and he's awesome. But I love Luka DeAndre Mania, baby. That's yeah, what that's what it is. DeAndre Ayton is awesome, but you look at what 
Devin Booker is, you know, he's having somewhat of a down season. If you just look at his field goal percentage, I think his field goal is three point percentage is still pretty bad. Um, but anyways, yeah, like Phoenix, you're not putting there. Atlanta That's, might be that next. Phoenix team. is an absolute train wreck. Like we have to talk about Robert Sarver as possibly being James Dolan <laughs> West. That's how bad he is. That man gets talked about badly all willy nilly when it comes to city council meetings. Isn't the problem with tanking the rest of the season that this roster is still filled with veterans? Yes. And you need your young players to develop to the point that they could mix with veterans and have an impact that would allow you to win basketball games. So like what you need is completely antithetical. What you need long term is completely antithetical to tanking the rest of this season and the vet right and having the veterans on the team probably prohibit that successfully from happening and you just look just real quickly the other teams that the hornets are going to be competing with so we'll put miami detroit orlando and we'll just throw in brooklyn for the hell of it brooklyn does have the thirdest or the third toughest schedule i like the thirdest yeah it's better it's the third toughest schedule left post all-star break in the nba you look at the other teams that you're looking at miami the seventh toughest schedule left. The bad news for the Hornets, so at least that's good. At least Miami has the seventh toughest. Mm-hmm. At least Brooklyn has the third hardest, right? Then you go to the bad news. Detroit has the seventh easiest schedule in the in the league. Seventhest. And the Orlando Magic, they have the third easiest. The thirdest. The thirdest, right. Hmm. So Orlando, after already going pretty hot into the All-Star break, just destroying and embarrassing the Charlotte Hornets. Now they have the third, thirdest, easiest, and they have the seventh with the Detroit Pistons. I mean, it's going to be tough. Like this was a team that you felt good about their playoff odds for quite a while, and now Detroit could certainly get hot, and Orlando could as well. I'm not afraid of Detroit as much as I am Orlando, and I do think there is a chance. Like I don't see 13 wins because I think 40 is going to get you in, no matter what. 40 is probably going to be the eight seed right now. They're at 27. I don't see 13 wins left on this schedule. That's where it gets kind of dicey. You have a lot of games against Orlando. You, you Not Orlando. You have a lot of games against Toronto. You have a game against Philly left. There are some brutal games in this stretch where the top four are competing for basically positioning in home court advantage for the second round. Yeah, the toughest opponents that the Hornets will be facing, it's one game against Milwaukee, it's two against Toronto, it's two against Golden State, and there's one more against the Boston Celtics. The easiest opponents they'll be facing, three games against the Washington Wizards, which is nice, one game against Cleveland, you will be facing the Pelicans as well, and then another opponent they consider the easiest is Orlando, which goes to show you how hard it is. It's like two games. Yeah, that's like the easy games are worse than you think. People are concerned about the Orlando Magic and their five game winning streak. But the Miami Heat of those, you know, five teams, Hornets, Pistons, Heat, Magic, Wizards, the Miami Heat are the only team that have been able to win road games. They're 15 and 14 on the road. Everybody else has struggled and the Hornets have some very, very difficult road games ahead. The Hornets away record is god awful. It's down there. Eight and 21. It's it's with the worst teams in the league. So not only have they lost. It's the, it's the worstest, yeah. It's it's one of you put it against a lot of the bottom dwelling teams. You put it against the Knicks, who didn't win a game for like six weeks straight. Mm-hmm. 
and it compares to their away record. The, the only one worse in that little five group are the Wizards that are seven and twenty-three overall record, twenty-four and thirty-four. Yeah, one, one less. less without John Wall, and now they've dumped Markeith Morris off the face of the map. And you look at, I think Chicago has the same amount of road wins as the Charlotte Hornets, if I'm not mistaken. I think they have eight. So you've got numbers that are the same as some of those teams, some of the worst teams in the, the NBA. The Hawks have more road wins than the Charlotte Hornets. There you go. 10 and 22. There you go, man. It doesn't look good, guys. But now that we've brightened up your day, I appreciate you listening here <laughs> to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with more. I talked with Scott Fowler on the wake-up call. He discussed a little bit about what he heard from NBA executives on whether Kimball Walker is going to leave or not. And also, I'll tell you about my experience riding the light rail for the first time. Oh. Fantastic story. Stick around with us here on LOH. This is Locked on Hornets. I can't tell you on wax. I will explain. <laughs> you got your sources? I have. Can you explain what on wax means? I can't tell you on wax right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So I was leaving the show yesterday after we were done recording. Mm-hmm. And... I told Nada and Doug both that it was going to be my first time riding the light rail. How long has it been here? It's not like it's been here forever. It's been here at least, I want to say at least, what? Has it been here a year yet? Yeah. Oh my God, yes. yes. Uh, I believe 2010 was the... Yeah, it's been here almost 10 well, years. Well, okay, not, but not the extension. No, not the... I haven't ridden that right. Oh, the right. north, yeah, the yeah. north extension. But you haven't, but that's beside the point. You have, how long have you lived in Charlotte? Uh, I've lived here since 2011. Okay, I, I, I so was a nearly freshman. all of its existence, and you have yet to ride it at all—not north or south. See, I guess the I guess the students, because right, that's all how I, I built most of my friend group was going to Charlotte, and at least being stu- being classmates with everybody there. That was not a crazy thing. There's a lot of people that at least I know that hadn't that hadn't ridden the light rail yet, and so even with this north extension. It was the first time that I did it, and I did it yesterday. The funniest part is that, so I I have to ask Doug, and I have to ask Nada on how to buy a ticket, and that was a very new experience for me, doing it on this my phone. This man hadn't even set up his Apple Pay yet, folks. I Sorry, it opened in 2007. <laughs> that's, that's a long it's been time. been around a while. It's been around a little bit longer than I thought. I Man, how long? But the extension, it went to Noda, and then here to Southside. That's been since 2018. Right. I, I knew that wasn't all that long. I'm just surprised so. that you, at some point, did not just happen to get on it. No. Like, you were around uptown. <laughs> I just aimed was walking and I found myself yeah, on the tripped train. and fell into it. Like, I mean, it's just so central. It's a central transportation mode in this city. And the doors closed on me as I accidentally fell into the light rail. It was the first time. And so I bought my ticket and I didn't realize that there's nothing that you scan your barcode or anything like that. I guess you just walk in and you just have the ticket. Basically, if anybody asks you for the ticket, it's like, hey, it's ticking on my phone. And also the one question that I had, I had wanted to confirm. I knew I was going to get <laughs> clowned if I called and asked him. But I said, you know what? I'm just going to take this insult. I'm going to take all the hell that Nada's going to give me just so I don't end up on a train to somewhere I do not want to be. And so I called Nada right as I'm waiting for the light rail to show up. I called him and I said, just want to make sure, Nada. I just want to confirm that this light rail is going to make every single stop along the way. (laughs) It's not going to make 
just a one-way trip. Hey, we're going to University Area right now. We're not going to be stopping at Noda. And one thing, I did want to see the 50% discount that they had on all the All-Star merchandise at the fan store. Which we forgot to tell you about. That was closed. That w- Well, even if we did, by the time we recorded, it was already done. Because I went there immediately after we were done recording. So I wanted to stop there, and then I wanted to go to Noda. So I called Nada. Nada... At least he didn't give it to me too bad, but I did hear a little bit. It was kind of funny, and sure enough, oh, it's hilarious! And I got home successfully, guys. I did it. I was successful. I got home, and everything was good. I think I'm going to write it again today. This whole story is really Walker discovering what a lot of out of out of towners discovered when they arrived to Charlotte that this is a little big city. It's not quite a big city. We only have the one light rail and the one streetcar. And the light rail stops at every stop, no express routes, and it's based on the honor system. It's just, it's not New York, it's not Miami, it's not Atlanta, like we, you know. There are no turnstiles to jump. You just gotta, you just gotta present a ticket as soon as they ask for it, if they do indeed ask for it. Yeah, basically. And, And so I was looking, I really was looking at some of the things there to say, see if there was a barcode scanner. And there wasn't. And so I probably looked like an idiot. There's probably a probably. lot of things that I looked like an idiot yesterday. Talked to Scott Fowler, Charlotte Observer, earlier today on the wake-up call, just discussing the two other big storylines that the Charlotte Hornets have. We're past All-Star Weekend, which doesn't really directly affect, I guess, the Charlotte Hornets per se, but that was a big storyline that was happening to Charlotte. Now we look at the push for the playoffs, and then after the push of the, for the playoffs, you're looking at, whether Kimba Walker is going to stay or if he's going to go. And so I talked to Scott. He said he talked to NBA executives. He said off the record, which I thought was funny. So he says off the record, yeah. but I'm going to give you this information that I heard. Yeah. So anonymously, they did not say he did not sources. give names, right? But according to his sources, NBA execs off the record, as he says, that they all expect him to be back in Charlotte. I have a question. What? in the hell would they know about what Kemba Walker is going to do or not correctly like correct is that I mean why I would say this if they're doing this off the record and and going off wax they don't want to put it on wax they don't want to put it on wax oh so you can say off wax as well yeah exactly haven't you seen the karate kid before that's true that's exactly what I thought of as soon as you said that proceed so once you say I think they're confident but they're not that confident to put their name behind it which doesn't make any sense. Which, 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 again, I ask, what do they know? The only thing that I would have that I would consider maybe is a, is a significant inkling that they might have is them reaching out to Mitch Kupchak, and then when Mitch Kupchak doesn't want to trade for him, right? Or, I mean, but we already knew that, and so I, I mean, I just don't know what other kind of new information that execs would have. Maybe they talked to Mitch Kupchak, and Mitch was like, "Yeah, we're going to try like hell to sign him," but I don't know why you would be giving that information out anyway. At least a smart GM, I don't think would. I would say this: there have been rumblings, tiny whispers per se, that Kemba that it's a done deal that he's coming back no matter what. I personally don't understand, especially if winning was the big thing or the big hang up with staying. I personally don't understand, but. A lot of off-wax talk has happened, and apparently he's staying. I don't get it, but that's been the thing coming out of that building and depending on who you talk to around Kemba. Now, Nada just said that as if it were a definitive fact. Mm-hmm. Kemba Walker is staying. Yes. I, I, th- I just think it speaks to, as you said, Walker, executives talking to other executives, and 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 perhaps Mitch Kupchak is confident that they can retain Kemba Walker services. Also, Kemba has not... 
you know, has not really said anything in the media or publicly that would give any indication that he would be willing to leave. Plus, think about it like this. If Kyrie goes to New York, and that's not necessarily a given, but if he goes to New York, where's the market for Kemba? Phoenix? You're better off staying here. Where's the market? Does Boston try to go after Kemba if over they the lose cap. Kyrie? They're over the cap regardless. E- even if they if they lose Kyrie and, and they, yeah, they're still over the cap. Well, then maybe yeah. I, Where's it, the market? Look, and I understand that they can, we can all have I guess our thoughts about it. I just I just want to know right. Questioning the source is important, and I just am interested to see how much the executives would actually really know about whether Kemba Walker would actually stay here in Charlotte. Some other news just real quickly to hit on. Monday night, Bismack Biombo was elected as vice president of the National Basketball Players Association. Pretty cool to see Biz. And I think you had a fantastic point about his outfit during All-Star Weekend. Dude looked fly, man. Like Bismack Biombo brought it as much as anybody. He did. He, he looked, looked presidential. Yeah, yeah. Screw the vice presidency. I mean, just give him the presidential moniker already with what he brought to All-Star Weekend. As long as you don't toss him a pen that's true i i think the hat i think right yes don't do that i think the hat is what brought it all together well and i think too it, it speaks to the the nba's expansion in africa and bismack biombo has been a part of that and there's even there's rumblings about a possible new league starting in africa and i think the the nba has a an important role to play on that continent and and i think it's a role that's going to continue to grow yeah pretty cool to see bismack involved in that regard as well and we'll see exactly just as we continue to talk daily about the charlotte hornets and their schedule post all-star break We'll see how legitimate this playoff push is, and we'll see if they actually get in to one of the sixth, the seventh, or the eighth. Here's spots. the here's the thing to me that's exciting is that they are um, in the mix, and it's really it, it's all going to depend on this team. The team, I think, this current roster right now has enough talent to make a play, a playoff berth in a weak Eastern Conference. But if if the team that we saw show up against Atlanta continues to show up, then they've got no shot. I wouldn't call it weak where I would call it top heavy. But that's just, just the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, well that you have you have a very weak Southeast Division. It's the weakest possibly in the NBA history. They do have enough talent. Exactly. It, it's all about whether they actually care enough and they did not care enough against Orlando. I'll tell you, it's the secondest weakest conference in the league. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 